If you're not familiar with what a council is, maybe some of you are going, well, what is that? Uh, within a Foursquare Church, uh, we have a governing council or a council that helps to oversee the operation of the church. Some churches and some organizations would call it a board. Similar to a board, um, our council provides covering for myself. Uh, we we help oversee the finances of the church and the stewardship of the church and make sure that there's accountability and a myriad of other things. But I just wanted to make sure that maybe maybe for some of you going, well, who are these people and why are they representing us? That's why, okay? Well, it is Thanksgiving, and i got to tell you this morning, um, Thanksgiving sermons along with some of the other holidays are, are, are one of these messages as a pastor where you're like, okay, I have to speak on Thanksgiving because it's Thanksgiving, but honestly, you get to a point where you're like, what else can I say about Thanksgiving? Um, And so, you know, I could actually just say, listen, church, be thankful, amen, let's go. Um, But I'm not going to do that. Aw. I want to do a quick survey, actually. Um, So Thanksgiving, one of the things that happens around Thanksgiving is people travel a lot. And so I'm going to do a quick survey. I've got a couple questions I'm going to ask. So so how many of you this morning are traveling out of town? You're leaving your home to go somewhere else to celebrate Thanksgiving with family. Who's going out of town? All right, so a whole bunch of you. All right, so here's what I want to know. I want to know who's going the furthest. All right, so anyone going out of the state of California? All right, so you guys are going to Utah, Vegas, all right, so they got Washington, D.C. or state? State, okay. Anyone going further than Washington State? All right, I have a $5 gift card to Starbucks for you, because you know when you're traveling, you, uh, you, need, a little, you need a little pick-me-up, right? And of course, you're going to Washington, so that's totally appropriate. They have a few Starbucks up there. Um, one or two. All right. So now I want to know who's, who's hosting. Who's hosting Thanksgiving at your home? Um, Lynch's are host. Okay, you guys are hosting. And Days are hosting. All right. So, <laughs> Gavin, put your hand down. Um, <laughs> give me a Starbucks, Dad. Um, so, so here's what we're going to do. How many people outside of your family... Yeah, outside of your family, how many people are you expecting? Fifteen? All right, how about you guys? Okay, six? No? All right, Casey, you're getting coffee. Here, here's why. Because I know who's going to do all the work. <laughs> Yeah, you can't disagree with that. All right, coffee is good. Um, I do. I, I want to. I always want to come to these times and say, "Okay, Lord, Thanksgiving is such an important topic for us. It's such an important theme that I want to just blow over a Sunday and say, okay, we're just going to have kind of the the -the run-of-the-mill message on on Thanksgiving. And so even over the last few weeks, just been praying and and asking the Lord where He wants to take us, what direction He wants us to go. And you know what's funny is in the midst of preparing for Sundays and preparing sermons, the Lord will speak in the most peculiar places. Um, The Lord started stirring my heart for this Sunday, standing in line at a high school football game waiting for a bacon-wrapped hot dog. Um, yeah. 
Can I get an amen? amen. All right. <laughs> and something unfolded in front of me that, that kind of piqued my interest a little bit and got my, my spirit kind of stirred. Here's what happened. There, the, the stadium, there, there was a couple of the easy ups. There were people selling their, their bacon-wrapped hot dogs and agua fresca, and um, it was really good. And there was a young man, probably about 13, 14 years old, and his mom, and she had obviously brought him up to, to buy some snacks. And she was kind of hanging back a little bit, and he'd gone up to the kind of the drink counter and, and had received his beverage. And as he turned around, his mom says to him, kind of over my shoulder, did you say thank you? And there's this awkward moment. And he kind of turned and he just went. <laughs> Literally, I mean, there was no, th- there was the word thank and you did not come out. He just kind of was. And he turned around and came. And, t- and then she looks at him and says, did you say thank you? And he just kind of, it was this like low grumble. It was just weird. Then he turns around and goes to get his hot dog, gets the hot dog. And mom says to him. Say thank you. Same thing again. And she turns, he turns around and she says to him again, Did you say thank you? At this point, I'm like watching the whole thing. Like, I'm not even hiding the... And she kind of locks eyes with me. And I can just tell in this poor mom's face the frustration of trying to coach a teenager, not a little kid, to say thank you. To say thank you. So it got me thinking, why was it so hard for him? Maybe he was shy. I don't think that's it. (laughs) Maybe entitled, but maybe this. Maybe we're so often in the same place where we, we say thank you only when things have been given to us that we didn't pay for or we didn't earn. And and maybe it was just a transactional kind of situation for him where he's going, I gave the lady money and she gave me what I paid for. Why should I have to say thank you for something that I paid for? There's probably a whole lot of other things and dynamics going on in that mom and her relationship with her son. And yes, disrespect or lack of respect or lack uh, of, of honor. But it, it started stirring something in my spirit where the Lord started saying, you know, so often that's how we come to him. Where he blesses us. And so often the very least he gets out of us is just kind of a... Um, or why wasn't it something else? Or why wasn't it bigger? Or there wasn't enough bacon on my hot dog, right? Which there never is enough bacon on the hot dog. So, see, because here's the thing a reluctant thank you is not a thank you, right? Because I was also watching the lady that was serving, and she could hear the whole thing happening as well. And so when this young man kind of, kind of glanced at her and turned around and walked away, I I bet for her it would have been better if he just not said anything or done anything. Because a reluctant thank you really isn't a thank you at all, is it? See, giving thanks is not about being polite. And that's really what it's been boiled down to in our society. 
You say thank you. And what she was trying to teach her son was, if someone does something for you, give something to you. You say thank you. Why? Because it's polite. It's the polite thing to do. Well, here's the problem with that. We come to Thanksgiving, and over the course of this week, and especially on Thursday, we'll, you know, we, we have a holiday name for Thanksgiving. We'll talk about the history of Thanksgiving and where it came from, or maybe your family has a tradition where you sit around the table and everyone goes around and says what they're thankful for. And, and in most cases, most cases, most families I've talked to, that time isn't an easy time. It's actually kind of awkward, like, oh, no, we have to do the whole thankful thing, right? And there's eye rolling and groaning and, oh, we have to do this. Well, I guess I need to be polite to God. But an unwilling thank you is not really a thank you, and we have to even step back a little bit further from that and realize that, 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 that thankfulness is so much more than just simply a, a, a nodding of the head or a, right, oh, well, I appreciate, I appreciate what you did. It's so much more than being polite. See, at its core, thankfulness and being, giving thanks is about ascribing honor and praise and worth. See, why was it important for a young man to say thank you to a lady who just served him a hot dog? Was it about the hot dog? No, it was about acknowledging a human being, one of God's creations, standing in front and saying, Thank you to you as a person. I'm ascribing worth to you and honor to you because you've just served, you've done something to, to bless me and I want to honor you in doing that in the same way that when we bring thanks to God, when, when we have a thankful heart, what we're doing is we're ascribing honor and worth to God. And so what really happens is that there's this spiritual dynamic behind giving thanks and thanksgiving that is way more powerful than we realize. And honestly, if we were to, to, to turn our focus, and my hope today is that we will leave here today with a deeper understanding of the power behind a thankful heart. And what it does, not just in a physical or an emotional realm, but what it does in the heavenlies, what it does at a spiritual level. See, in Scripture, the idea of praise and thanksgiving are really intertwined. All throughout Scripture, we hear praise and thanksgiving, praise and thanksgiving, thanksgiving and praise, thanksgiving and praise, and they're rarely used without each other. They always come together that, that a heart of thankfulness is, is followed with praise, that there's a speaking of praise. And so, so the way that it, it kind of unfolds is this, that in my heart, I feel this thankfulness, and what happens is my mouth follows suit and says something, it utters something, that words come out that are either a blessing to an individual or praise God and honor Him and ascribe glory and honor to Him. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 through 11 talks about this. I've never imagined that I would preach a Thanksgiving message out of the book of Revelation, but here we go. Revelation 4, 8 through 11, the picture here, the setting is the throne room of God and there's these four creatures, these living creatures that are surrounding the throne and along with this, this, this crowd, this, this crowd of witnesses and the angelic hosts and here's what's happening. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out and day after day and night after night they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord 
God the Almighty, who, who always was, who, was uh, who is, and who is still to come. Which, by the way, we just sang that, didn't we? That was good. Good song selection this morning. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things and they exist because of you, because you created what you pleased. Did you catch in there? Whenever the living beings give glory, honor, and thanks. Giving thanks. Here's the thing. They're already in heaven. They're already in the presence of God. They're there. I've heard it said this way, that as these living beings, these creatures and, and the 24 elders are around the throne and as they bow and they come back up and, they, and they, they gaze on the presence of God that there's another eternal aspect of who He is, His glory and their, His majesty that is revealed for all eternity. There is so much about who God is, so many facets as to, to who He is that for eternity that we could bow before Him and come back up and gaze on Him and see something completely different. And that our response, rather than just kind of a holy, 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 is this overwhelming holy. And that the attitude of our hearts would be, thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you that this this eternal procession, this eternal praise will continue Because of the goodness of God. But we get to participate in this now. That our voice has even been being lifted today. Join with those who surround the throne. And we are giving praise and honor and ascribing glory to God. It's an amazing picture of the heavenly host. You know, um, a few weeks ago. I, Megan and I were on the phone. I was in Israel. We were in Galilee. And we're getting ready for our next day, and, and Megan says to me, uh, we're on, we were talking, and she goes, what are you doing today? And, and these words came out of my mouth, and I was overwhelmed with emotion. I said, we're going up to Jerusalem. And there was just this heaviness that just came over, my, a good heaviness, just like the presence of, we're going up to Jerusalem. My first time in Israel, and, and my first time going up to Jerusalem, and, and there was this really cool thing that we did. Our our guide stopped as we came into the city, um, pulled the bus over, and, and and he taught us something that was really significant. He said, "This you never walk into Jerusalem. I mean, ride into Jerusalem. Rather, you always walk. Whenever you know we read in Scripture that they would go up to Jerusalem, whether it was the priests or Joseph and Mary or wherever it was, when they would come to the city, they would get off of the camel or the donkey that they were riding on, and they would always walk into the city. And as they walked, they would sing a song of praise and blessing to the Lord. And they would break bread and they would drink wine. And, and, and the blessing that they would declare was this, thank, give thanks to God who provides bread that sustains us. Give thanks to God for the wine and for the fruitfulness of this land that he's poured out on us. Give thanks to God 
for every blessing, for everything, for the life that we live and for everything inside of us. And, and so we stood overlooking the, the, the valley and overlooking the Temple Mount. And, and we, in Hebrew, he coached us on how to say this all in Hebrew. And it was just, it was amazing. By the way, a little, little side note. The Jews would always walk into Jerusalem. You remember the triumphal entry? What did Jesus do? He rode a donkey. He made a statement about who he was in that moment. We'll talk more about that at Easter. But I was, I, it was one of those mind-blowing moments. Why would they walk and why would they sing and, and, and pray and, and, and declare these blessings? To ascribe honor and glory and worth to the God of gods, to the King of kings, the creator of all things. There's something about being in that city, understanding that this is the place where Jesus will return. It's the place, it's God's holy city. It's, and, and while we understand that his presence dwells with us, this is like ground zero. It was the, it was the starting point. And, and so even walking in, in that moment, you just get this overwhelming sense of the presence of God. And, and, and honestly, I can say this, it's the closest that I felt to Revelation 4 in my life. Just this overwhelming, oh my goodness. I can't believe where I am right now. God, I give you praise. I give you praise. So what does thankfulness look like? In the spiritual realm? It's a good question to ask. As we come to the table this week, as we sit and we go, well, I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for that, we understand that we, mentally we can come up with a list. I'm thankful for my house, I'm thankful for my kids, I'm thankful for my job, right? I'm thankful for the food that I'm getting, and, and it's just kind of this mental exercise. But, but we have to understand that there's something happening in the heavenlies that when we declare praise and give thanks to God, that there's something that is happening in the heavenly realms. And what is that? What does that look like? While we were in Israel, I... I was having some backache, some um, nerve trouble in my, my spine, and thank God there was a chiropractor in our group, and uh, God, God's amazing, and so um, he's a Japanese man from Hawaii, uh, his name is Rex, if you want to know what Rex looks like, just picture Mr. Miyagi, like no joke, like doppelganger. And so Mr. Miyagi, Rex, chiropractor, had heard me say, oh man, my back has been hurting, my back has been hurting. And so one night in the hotel, he kind of pulls me aside and he says, okay, let's do some work. And so he did some cracking of my back and all of that. But then he had me stand and he starts like doing kind of like this Tai Chi kind of stuff on me. He's like, he starts pushing on my hips and pulling on my arms. He goes, you're weak, very weak, very weak. See, I was, I'm like, okay. I'm having like this trippy moment where I'm like, he goes, he goes, put, put hips like this, put shoulders like this. He goes, strong, strong, no joke. And he starts pushing on me, and he's like, see, now you're strong, but now weak, very weak, and pushes me into the chair. And I'm like, this is awesome. Mr. Miyagi is like fixing me. <laughs> but he addressed my posture. 
And he addressed the fact that when my shoulders weren't pulled back and my neck wasn't straight up and when my hips weren't pushed forward and kind of in, a, in this motion, he goes, there's no strength in your core. And just by simply adjusting the position of my hips and my shoulders, he starts pushing on me. He goes, now very strong, very strong. And I'm going, this is, this is amazing. This is what thankfulness is for our spiritual posture. See, because what we tend to do is we grumble and complain. We go 364 days a year going, I don't have this, and I don't have this, and this hasn't come around, and this hasn't happened, and I haven't gotten the promotion, and finances are tight, and I'm still dealing with these issues, and, and we grumble and grumble and grumble, and then Thanksgiving rolls around, and we're like, okay, I've got to be thankful for a day. Lord, let me, oh God, I just praise you. Let me come up with some things. And what we end up is with a weak spiritual posture that the enemy gets to push around however he wants. God says, adjust your posture. Get your stance set spiritually. Thanksgiving and praise in your home. Set your posture in such a way that you stand firm. And this is not a once a year occurrence. This is a daily occurrence. A daily practice in our lives that we would take our stand. And what we do when we exert that thankfulness and that praise is that we provide a covering. We invite a covering over our homes and over our lives that the enemy cannot penetrate. The enemy cannot mess with it. He cannot push around. And we start exerting this force, this spiritual force, not like Star Wars, much better, much bigger. That starts pushing the enemy back. Now, I'm, I'm all for spiritual warfare. I believe that we're called to take our stands. The Bible, take our stand. The Bible is full of scriptures that back up the fact that we need to take our stand in the heavenly realms. That we've been given uh, the, the armor of God. That, that, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal; that they're spiritual. But here's the thing: sometimes we default to, "All right, I gotta, I gotta go to, to get into this posture, spiritual warfare, do the fight." But daily, what that looks like is be thankful. Be thankful. Give honor and glory to God because he's due honor and glory. Going back to the hot dog. We tend to give thanks to God when he does stuff for us. And then that's it. But when we don't sense or we don't perceive that God's done anything for us or he's come through, quote unquote, well, I'm not going to thank him for something he hasn't done. God, I'm still in pain. God, I'm still struggling. How am I going to thank you in the midst of this? Well, because the Bible says so. Because God understands this, that when our posture is a posture of thanksgiving and praise, it sets us in such a way that we get strengthened. And so we have to stand in that place. It's a force that goes out ahead of us. When Paul says, and we'll read this in a minute, in all circumstances give thanks, right? In everything, praise God in every circumstance. No matter what happens, give thanks to God. We don't do that well as a society. We're more like that kid. Mm. Thanks a lot, God. Right? Come on. 
Let me illustrate this for you, and then I want to draw some points from Scripture. A few years back, our family was in a time of transition. We were actually living, um, we, well, we lived in a travel trailer for about a year and a half, almost two years. And we traveled all over the U.S., and, uh, and we had a ministry where we were encouraging pastors. In fact, Tom and Deb are doing a very similar thing now, and I want to honor you guys. We've, we've missed you, but I also know this. You'll see them some Sundays, and some Sundays they're, they're not here. More often than not, they're being called out by our district and by our leadership to go and encourage pastors. And uh, what a blessing that is. So thank you to you guys for that. Um, ask them about it. Invite them, invite them to lunch. How about that? Invite them to lunch and ask them about what God is doing in their lives because there's some amazing things. And, and we, I want to have you guys share, by the way, at some point we'll, we'll have some time for you guys to talk about that more up here because it's powerful. But we were, as a family, kind of in this season of transition. In fact, we did our first trip to care for pastors and minister to pastors. We didn't have a travel trailer. We were just in our excursion, and we loaded it up, and we hit the road. We stayed with friends. We stayed in hotels. Uh, we raised support. And it was an amazing season of ministry for us. And on that first trip, um, we had stopped in Chico, California. Our friends were living there at the time. They were the leaders of a J-12 group at the Foursquare Church there. And they'd asked us to come in and just kind of share with these 12, 13-year-olds, 11-year-olds about what God was doing in our lives. And, um, and so we talked about how we were kind of living in our car, and, and, but we were trusting God for a travel trailer. And so this group of uh, J-12ers kind of gets around us, and, and, and uh, our friends Rick and Carmela said, hey, would you, you know, ask the kids, would you guys pray for Pastor Barry and Megan and their family? And so this group of kids comes around us, and they start praying, and, and, and the prayer went something like this, thank you, God, that you already have a trailer for the Mulocks. Two weeks later, we're in Eugene, Oregon at a pastor's conference, and we're sitting talking to some friends about what we're doing, and, and they're, uh, they're just asking questions. And uh, so we're just sharing about what we're doing and how we're traveling. The next day, we come back, and they sit down with us, and they said, hey, listen, um, we have a travel trailer, and we don't need it. And if you guys want it, it's yours for free. Um, now, it wasn't the latest, greatest, no slide outs. It was a little older but we didn't care. In fact, here's a picture of it. That, that was our travel trailer. That was our home. It was 25 feet long. Um, no slide outs. The kids, our four kids, slept on one really big bed in the back, and we slept in the front. And we, uh, we went to 13 states and did like 36,000 miles in that trailer um, and, and got to see God do amazing things. But here was my favorite part of getting that trailer is we drove back down through Chico, and we pulled into the parking lot at the church on a Wednesday night, and we had those J-12 students get out of that room, and they came, and we piled them into the trailer, just packed them in. It was like wall-to-wall -wall kids. And we got to stand in the promise of God. We got to stand in the answer to prayer. We got to praise God because of the provision that had come about. And for me, the, the faith that was built in those kids in that moment, because together we had thanked God in advance for what he was going to do. We gave thanks and praise to God, not knowing what the answer to the prayer was, but we had exerted spiritual force, spiritual power out ahead of us because God knew. 
And so it postured us in such a way that we were ready to receive what God was ready to bless us with. We were thankful before we ever laid eyes on that trailer. And we got to stand in that trailer and praise the Lord. And one of the most significant moments of my life in ministry was standing with those kids. Standing in the promise of God. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for that, that you know that God has, is moving in, you haven't maybe even seen the fulfillment of the prayer, the answer to the prayer, the fulfillment of the promise, but maybe there's just something that God has spoken to you and said, trust me in this. Believe me that I will take care of you. Believe me that I'm going to do good things so that it stops just being transactional where I just simply give thanks for the things that I already have. But I start praising and thanking God for where he's leading me, where he's taking me, the things he has in store in the midst of even the storm. I will praise you in the storm. Why? Because it sets my posture in such a way that I'm ready to receive what God has for me down the road. It puts my perspective in the right place and makes God bigger and me smaller. Amen? In the Old Testament, we see three kinds of, uh, of thankfulness and praise. Two in the Old Testament, one in the New. The, in the Old Testament, we see in Leviticus chapter 6, uh, what was called the thank offering. And, and the thank offering came in different ways. Um, it, would, it was either a grain offering or an animal, or it was a flame. It was a flame that was burning within the tabernacle. And God's instruction was that it would be an eternal flame and, or, or, or an unceasing flame, that it wouldn't go out. And it was the job of the priest to maintain that flame. In Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8 through 13, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be kept, be left on top of the altar until the next morning, and the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. In the morning, after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the, the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Here's the thing that's happening here. These priests had work to do. The, the sacrificial system was labor-intensive, and, and it, would, it just never stopped. And so these priests and, and those working in the temple had to take care of animals being offered to the Lord, and then the wood would burn down, and the animals would burn, and, 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 and then there would be the leftovers that they had to clean up, and so there was work, work clothes that they had to put on, change out of the nice clothes and put on the work clothes, these linen clothes, because ash is dirty. Right? The remnants of fire is dirty, and so they had to clean everything up and, and move it all outside the camp and kind of get ready for, for the whole thing to be done all over again. The key here, though, is this. The fire had to be kept burning. 
Never let it go out. What's, what's the word for us? What's the lesson in this for us? In the midst of our daily life, I go to work, I come home, I have to clean the house, we have to do laundry, we have to take the kids to school or to a sports activity or whatever it is. There's bills to pay and checkbooks to balance and all of these things. In the midst of everything that needs to be done, that the word of the Lord to us would be, don't let the fire of thankfulness go out. Now, there's times where we come together. Thanksgiving will be one of those times where, man, that fire gets stoked a little bit and the flame gets a lot bigger and it's a lot brighter. But the idea is this, that in our homes, that we will not let the, the, the fire of thanksgiving and praise to ever die down and diminish in our homes. I'd heard Pastor Jack Hayford, who many of you would be familiar with, he shared a, a, an analogy or a picture of what praise and thanksgiving does in a home. And it was a word that the, or picture the Lord gave him in a dream. Um, if you've ever seen, you know, there's these tents that, that they put up um, that are held up by air pressure. You ever, you ever seen one of these? Um, they're massive, massive domes. They had a couple in Anchorage that were really, really huge. And, and it's a, a vinyl structure that um, they have fans that basically inflate the building and they keep the pressure on the inside of the building higher than the pressure on the outside. And that, that pressure is what maintains the dome or maintains the structure and keeps it in place. And then you can, you know, have activities in there. The one in Anchorage was a huge running track. It was a full... Uh, a full athletic track so that uh, people could run all year long no matter what the weather was like outside. And, um, but here's the thing. The pressure had to be higher on the inside than it was on the outside. And, and so what Pastor Jack had seen as he was uh, just meditating on this was that when, when prayer and praise, when the flame of, of thanksgiving and, and praise starts going down in our house, in our homes, and in our lives, when uh, we're not spending time thanking God and praising Him for who He is. In essence, what happens is that the pressure inside starts leaking out. And, and, and there's the sagging that starts taking place, that this dome now doesn't have the pressure it needs. This covering doesn't have the, the pressure it needs on the inside to maintain what's come, the pressure from the outside, and, and it starts sagging. And it's a great picture for us of what thanksgiving and praise does in our homes. That when we maintain a posture of thanksgiving to the Lord in our homes, not just once a year, but every day, when we train up our children and say, listen, I, I want you to say thank you, not just to, to be polite, but, but understand and train them that there is a spiritual principle and dynamic behind thanksgiving and giving thanks to the Lord in, in everything, whether that's praying and giving thanks to God for, for a meal, or for what he's doing in our lives, or just general praise, is what it does is it creates a spiritual pressure inside of our home that's greater than the spiritual pressure on the outside of our home. So when God says, don't let the flame go out, what he's saying is, don't let that spiritual pressure recede. And it's a place where God doesn't impose himself he waits on us to call on his name, to praise his name, to speak his praise, to declare his praise in our homes, to declare thankfulness in our homes, in our community, in our lives, so that our posture, so that that pressure is set, so that we can take our stand. Amen? 
The Bible also talks about songs of praise. The Psalms are full of songs of praise. Here are a few of them. Psalm 113, verse 3. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. If you've been in church, or if you were in church in the 80s, you remember from the rising of the sun, right? <laughs> to the going down. Come on, join me. Uh, <laughs> the Lord's name is to be praised. Come on, you guys, some of you are having a trip right now, a little journey back, and some of you are going, it's just weird. That from the moment the sun rises to it till it sets, that the Lord's name would be praised. And, and, and scripture is full of examples of this. That there would never be a time or a day that would go by where God's name is not praised, where we don't give him thanks for who he is, to remember his work in our lives, to remember his goodness. It's what we do on Sunday mornings when we sing songs, right? We understand in this church that our worship team is, they're not warming up, right? We're not warming the crowd up for the sermon. Come on, right? It's not the pre-show, which by the way, just an encouragement, not a guilt trip. Don't miss worship, right? We start, they start, you'll notice, 1030, Worship starts at 10.30. It's a critical part of what we do as a congregation because when we praise God's name, when we glorify his name, we take our stand in the heavenly places. Don't let a day go by where you're not aware of the presence of God and thankful for who he is. Psalm 149 verse 5, let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing, sing for joy as they lie on their beds. This is really good. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Paul writes that. And, and, and can we just be honest? That seems a little burdensome, doesn't it? I've got to pray without ceasing. Okay, Lord, I don't know how to do that because I've got other stuff to do. And, and it's not so much a, well, get on your knees, fold your hands, say a nice little prayer. It's an attitude of thankfulness in our lives that we bring to the Lord from the moment we wake up to the moment we lie down and even while we're sleeping. Let them sing, song, uh, sing for joy as they lie on their bed. Psalm 42 verse 8. Each, each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. We had a little family, family meeting. I, I don't like that term because it sounds so negative, right? <laughs> I have a family meeting. We sat with our kids last night as I was preparing for this message. Um, and, and the Lord, in fact, I'm sitting in Starbucks and, and I just started weeping um, and I was, I was like, I went to Starbucks and I was going to go to the office and I didn't make it to the office. I went home and I sat with our family and we just had to talk about this a little bit. Um, as many of you know, back in April, our family experienced a tragedy, the loss of our, our niece. And, um, and I was preparing for this message and, and the whole time, even from that time till now, I haven't felt very thankful I just haven't, and, and we have to sit and have this conversation as a family. I haven't felt thankful. It sucks. 
This will be our first holiday without her. And um, sometimes the stuff of life doesn't lead us to a place where we're going, hey, thanks God, I'm so excited. Because of that, I know for myself, and maybe you've noticed this, maybe you haven't. Some of those uh, uh, part of our leadership team have noticed and I've gotten to share, but it's felt like for the last few months, um, and I've had like cement blocks on my hands and feet and, and trying to drag myself forward through this process of grief, knowing that I should be more excited or or have this fervor, and I just hasn't been there, and I've honestly dreaded coming to Thanksgiving. I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't feel it. And the place that it's really affected me has been in my sleep. It's been in my sleep, because what's happened in my life, and it's to a degree for our family, but especially for me, is, is I found myself just kind of checking out a little bit. And so there's been a lot more TV watching. I've passed a ton of levels on Candy Crush. <laughs> because I just don't want to, I don't want to think about it. And, and the conversation we had as a family last night is we, we've got we've to um, limit, we've got to limit the media in our home, we've got to limit some of these outside influences. Not that it's all bad, um, but definitely the bad stuff. Don't watch the bad stuff or listen to the bad stuff. But recognizing that because of what we've been walking through as a family, that that spirit of thankfulness and that flame of praise has kind of diminished a bit. And, and, and I had this moment in, in Starbucks last night realizing that the covering of our home was sagging. And it broke my heart. I was like, Lord, that's I, I, not what I want for our home. And so we had to have a conversation. And we'll have subsequent conversations about what this is going to look like practically for our family as we deal with just hard stuff in our lives. Megan's mom flies in tomorrow from Anchorage and will spend the holidays with us. And we can't wait to see her, but we know it's also going to be really hard. Can I just tell you, in, in the last 12 hours, the spirit of thankfulness and just of praise in my life has been rekindled as I've faced the hardship, not hidden from it. It's affected my sleep because I'm, I'm being distracted by things and I'm watching shows and just trying to check out. And it's, and it's finding its way into my dreams. The other night, we're, we were on vacation and, and I was just watching the news and I fell asleep watching the news and, and in the midst of um, this, I guess Zimbabwe had a coup <laughs> and I'm from South Africa, which is right by Zimbabwe, but I fell asleep watching the news and then I dreamt about a coup in Zimbabwe and it was a vivid dream and I woke up and I was like, that was weird. I dreamt that there was a coup in Zimbabwe and then I turned the news on and lo and behold, there was a coup in Zimbabwe and I was like, Whoa, I dreamt about that, not realizing that I had fallen asleep watching something that had taken an occupied place in my mind and in my spirit, and so I dreamed about it. How often, how often do we dream about the things that we're filling our mind with? So we watch stuff, right? 
If you, I don't know if you've noticed, but TV shows are getting a lot more violent and a lot more sexualized. And we watch these things before we go to bed and then we lay down and expect that we would minister to the Lord's presence in our dreams while our minds and our hearts are filled with garbage. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. That there's an aspect of our spirituality, even while we're sleeping, that we minister to the presence of God and He ministers to us. That God will speak to us in our dreams as we sleep. Can I get one of those nap- oh, the tissues? Thank you. Um, that He will speak to us. But here's the thing. If we're going to bed without that spirit of praise and that flame of thankfulness in our hearts... Our posture is not set to even sleep well. Does this make sense? And so that spirit of thankfulness in our homes extends not just to our waking hours, but even to our sleep. And as we sing songs of praise, one of the decisions we made last night is we're not, we're not going like, no more TV in our house. We're not doing that. We enjoy watching certain shows, and, and it's fun to watch a movie. We saw Thor the other day. It was awesome. It was a great movie. Um, we're not going to that extent, but what we are saying is this. There needs to be more praise in our homes, more songs of praise, and, and we need to limit and not just always have the TV on the, in the background or whatever the media is or be on the phone or be on the internet or be on Facebook, right? Social media, because it's not always positive. Can I get an Amen. I want, to, I want to challenge us as a congregation, just, just for a week, try, try it Thanksgiving week, that, that in the evening before you go to bed, that you start becoming intentional about what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to. And let's see if the Lord doesn't meet us in our sleeping hours over the next week as much as he does in the waking hours. Amen? You up for the challenge? Let's see what kind of testimonies come out of that. The final one is this. There's a spirit of praise. Spirit of praise. And that's what's in Revelation. A spirit of praise. It's one of the aspects of the spirit of God. That, that God's spirit indwelling us causes us to have a, a spirit of praise that would rise up within us and praise God for who he is. For, for his majesty and for his glory. We hear it in the writings of Paul all the time. I give thanks to God, I give thanks to God, I give thanks to God, I give thanks to God over and over and over and over and over. Most of the appearance of the word thanks in the New Testament is Paul writing and saying, I give thanks to God for you. I give thanks to God for what he's done. I give thanks to God because of the way that he's moved. I give thanks to to God for Jesus Christ. He says this in Ephesians 1 verse 3, all praise to God. How much? All praise to God. That, by the way, that means that you don't get any. Right? I don't get to pat myself on my back and go, Perry, you're pretty amazing. Because I know I'm not. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Ephesians 1, by the way, there's a whole paragraph that goes on where Paul talks about the way that God has blessed us. All praise to God because he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul writes this, and this is one we're familiar with. Be, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in what? 
Oh, wow. Give thanks in what? All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's interesting that pray continually is sandwiched between rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. How do we pray continually or pray without ceasing? By giving thanks and rejoicing. So this is not about me going through my day going, oh, I better pray. Oh, I better pray. Oh, I better pray. That's not the heart of God. It was the weirdest thing to be in Jerusalem, um, you know, because a temple mount is a mosque. And, you know, throughout the day they have their calls to pray and they're really loud. And it's this big, okay, you better pray now, you people. And so people stop or they go into the, you know, to, to the mosque to go pray. And it's this, whole, it's this whole obligation. That's not what God is looking for. He's looking for obedience, not sacrifice. He's looking for hearts that would throughout the day say, God, thank you for that. Thank you for that encounter I just had with that person. God, I praise you for your faithfulness. God, thank you for this beautiful day. And then there would just be this flame of praise and thankfulness that, that would just be constantly burning. And as that happens, you know what you're doing? You're praying without ceasing. It's happening. And because you're tuned in, the Lord will then have place to be able to say, hey, I, I, I actually need you to pray for something specific right now. I need to pray for someone, I need you to pray for someone specifically right now. Stop what you're doing. Because we're already dialed in, tuned in in that place in our spirit because our posture is set and we're not getting pushed around. God says, okay, now, now I need you to dial it in a little bit more. I need you to target, get a little more focus, a little laser Laser guided in your prayer. Can you understand why this is God's will for us? I remember growing up, the conversation around what's, what's God's will for my life today? And then people made it weird, like, what's God's will for me to wear today? Like, no, you're, you're missing the whole point. God's will is that I would walk in step with his spirit and be ready and available and willing at all moments to be used by him to go where he needs me to go to say what he needs me to say and not hesitate because I'm grumbling because he hasn't done for me the things that I expect him to do. See, a spirit of praise and thankfulness and adopting this posture in your life will change your character It'll change your circumstances, and it'll change your countenance. It will change your character. You will be a better person. You just will be. People who are thankful, who have a spirit of thankfulness, they're, they're, they're people of character. They're people that you want to be around, right? Come on. You want to you be around thankful people. Not the grumblers. It'll change your circumstances. Why? Because it's a magic wand? No, because as I'm, I give thanks to God, all of a sudden my circumstances have perspective. I understand what I'm walking through. I understand why God has me where he has me. Wow, Lord, you brought me to this place today, and this is not what I would have chosen for myself today, but there was a need that needed to be ministered to, and you're choosing to use my life and allow your glory to be funneled through my life to this person or this situation. It'll change your circumstances, and it'll change your countenance. 
your face will look different, right? Go back to that mom looking at her son. And I, 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 my heart just kind of broke for her. Her countenance was struggling. She was stuck. She needed help. And I wish I could have just jumped in and said, hey, can we have a conversation about this? But it wasn't appropriate. But what we bring is the opposite of that. That our countenance, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we operate from a place of thankfulness will bring the light and the love and the joy of the presence of God everywhere we go. See, because it stops being our countenance and it becomes His countenance. And isn't the goal of this to look more like Jesus? So this week, as you travel, as you welcome people, as you're approaching Thanksgiving, would you search your own life and your own heart? Would you challenge yourself and, and, and ask yourself, where, where am I doing? How's the flame in my life, the flame of praise and thankfulness? What's, what's my posture like? Do you need Rex to come and push on your hips a little bit, right? Adopt the right posture so that no matter what you're walking through, that your focus, your thankfulness will be in the right place. Let's stand together. Father, this morning, it's appropriate to give you thanks. God, we give you praise. We give you thanks for your goodness, for your love, your never-ending, unceasing, beautiful, unconditional love. God, we thank you that we are a people who have been empowered. Lord, that your spirit resides in us. God, we thank you that we can give you thanks and praise in all circumstances. Because there is a God on the throne who is watching our lives. Lord, you've ordained our steps. You've ordained everything that would take place in our lives. And so, Lord, we can turn our focus to you in the midst of the storm, whether we're in the, the, the valley or on the peak, God, that you're there with us and we give you praise for that. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would give us that spirit of thankfulness, that you would cause it to rise up in us, Lord God, that you would set our posture. And, Lord, that, that this week, through these amazing people, Lord, that there would be a force of your spirit that would be... Uh, just exerted in our homes and in our community that would drive back darkness, Lord. I pray that, that as we either go to people's homes or welcome people into our homes, Lord, that as we are there, that your presence in our lives, Lord, would ignite thankfulness in even other people's lives. I pray that you would re remove the weight, those burdens, those things that weigh us down, that we would cast our cares on you. You would be the lifter of our head, and Lord, that we, with all of our being, with every part of who we are, would be able to cry out to you, thank you, Father. Thank you, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Our prayer team is available. Um, as we close, we'll close with a short chorus, but if you want prayer for anything this morning, anything at all, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to partner with you in that our prayer team is available. Let's worship together.